Hello, TTB community. I am Bob Demenner. And here with me, as always, is the incredibly loyal Elliot Shibley. So each week, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and some of our very own personal travel experiences. If you have travel news that you want to see incorporated into an episode, specifically these episodes, the Travel Bites episodes, you can send us uh, the article or the information that you'd like us to talk over. Uh, via email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or through a direct message uh, on Instagram or Facebook. And we'll get that into the episode and we'd gladly shout you out. Elliot, what do we have going on today? So at this month's Travel Bites, we've got a few fun articles, um, some sad ones. It's the Travel Bites. So there's some interesting things happening around the world. We've got a cruise ship that ran around in Greenland, a rescue mission for a man in a cave in Turkey. Jet ski tourists off of the coast of Morocco and Algeria. Airbnb status in New York. Uh, NASA and Boeing talking about a supersonic jet. And then the last article is possibly an eighth continent. Nice. Yeah. And so before we get into it, this week's travel tip is uh, don't travel with kids. <laughs> so Speaking no, from I'm, experience, Bob, right? Yeah, I, I'm joking, uh, but... I recently came back from a trip to Scotland with uh, my two children and another family's two children. And I guess the only thing I should say is to pack your schedule with additional time, which I'm going to turn the kid time phenomenon <laughs> because everything takes significantly longer. So um, you you came up with that term. That's not that's not an established I, lingo. Correct. I made that up here on the Travelers Blueprint podcast. Like it. Trademark it. Trademark it. Um, everything moves slower. So getting out of the car to grab a bite to eat, to go to the bathroom, just adds time. And so um, we learned a lot on the trip, and I guess I can break it down better when we actually do the Scotland trip, some tips for traveling with children. Uh, but as a blanket statement, um, however long you think something's going to take, add, I don't know, an hour. 50%? Maybe. Yeah, add a little bit more to that. So uh, that's this week's travel tip of the week. All right. Before we get started, if you like us and you find this podcast entertaining, please consider giving us a review on iTunes on iTunes or any other platform. If you love us, we would be forever grateful if you could subscribe to the show and share some of our episodes, social media posts, and with your friends, family, whoever. Um, and we do encourage you to give us feedback through either Instagram or through our email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com. Lastly, please consider some of the awesome travel products we offer. How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page, and once you download it, you have it forever, and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better. To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step -step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one, navigation, number two, booking airfare, number three, blogs, research, and reviews, number four, itinerary building, and number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to be planned 
efficient trips now and forever, all the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure. Yeah. And now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or visit our service pages on our website and we can meet over Zoom to discuss the details of your trip. You want to contribute to the podcast? If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel roundtable discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com for the monthly Travel Bites episode. Support us by wearing us. Go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the Traveler's Blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or a travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us as we interview our guests, know that we greatly value your support as a listener of the show. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. First up, we've got the cruise ship that ran aground in Greenland has, in fact, been freed. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about what happened there. So this is actually, it happened in a national park, the Northeast Greenland National Park. It is the world's northernmost national park. I was the one uh, the park is massive. It essentially covers nearly the size of France and Spain combined. Uh, 80% of it is a permanent ice sheet. And so the cruise ship, uh, it says the cruise ship flagged in the Bahamas. Does that mean it started in the Bahamas? Yeah. Okay. Had passengers from Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, United Kingdom, United States. And uh, it accommodated about 151 passengers. So I think a pretty small cruise ship. That is small. Um. The name of the company is Aurora Expeditions. They're an Australian-based company. And I mean, yeah, I don't think there was there's much more to the story other than it gets stuck up there for for how long does it say? Um I, I did not see that. No, I didn't see that either. So it gets stuck up there for a little bit of time and essentially is freed. I, I am curious about how long because that actually <laughs> seems like a pretty significant <laughs> detail, but it does seem like a big detail. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, you don't see it in the article, right? No, no, neither do I. So yeah. Have you, have you been on a cruise ship before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I took a go? cruise from Cape Canaveral in Florida to the Bahamas and back. Okay. Okay. That was, yeah. a, that was a high school choir trip. That's a pretty cool one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I think I'm planning one next year. I know we talked about it. I mentioned it briefly, but uh, yeah, I think I'm going on one next year to Alaska. Yeah, so, that'd be fun. Yeah, my yeah. my dad and my stepmom they love cruises. They went on their first one earlier this year, and they're going to mm -hmm. go on another one. Same with my parents. They're they're that's the demographic, man. <laughs> yeah, and my my grandparents love cruises. They've taken several to like Barbados, uh, mm -hmm. Alaska, a few other places. Yeah. And then I've got a buddy, um, sort of a coworker, but he and his family go on cruises pretty often down to like the Gulf and okay. we'll head up Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So my plan is to reach out to, uh, I've actually found this YouTube page that does cruises. It's kind of their, their thing. Uh, it's not Walter's know, world, is it? And it's not Walter's world. <clears throat> um, I forget the name of the, uh, off the top of my head, but 
I plan on reaching out to them to get insight on how to book cruises. I believe it can be quite tricky um, finding the best price and things like that. So I'm curious to get someone to, to talk about that, specifically Alaskan cruises. Uh, it's just because something that I'm, I plan on doing next year, seeing grizzly bears and whales and things like that is <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, by the uh, way, uh, yeah. While you were discussing that, I, I was able to find that the cruise ship was stranded for three days. Okay. See, that's a big deal. Yeah. All right. I didn't, yeah. and that's why, you know, 206 about, people, 206 people. Yeah. Okay. So I think 151 of those were passengers. The other 50 or so were crew. Gotcha. Okay. And, and three days is a long time to be stuck in one spot. Okay. That's, that's why it's news. Yeah. But I think they have plenty of food. So it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there was, there were any major issues besides the fact that they were stuck in one place for three days. Yeah, it did say that three passengers area. did get COVID, and so they had to force them to isolate on top of being oh. stuck. Uh, but it was just the three passengers that had to do that. Um, and That's rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only are you stuck on the cruise ship, and now you're stuck in your room. Uh, next one. This is actually big international news. Um, yeah, very much so. A, a U.S. man was stuck deep in a Turkey uh, Turkish cave. <laughs> he wasn't stuck deep in a turkey. <laughs> So, so oh, this boy. guy, this this cave uh, explorer, his name is Mark Dickey, was trapped in Turkey's third deepest cave. It's called the Morka Cave, and there was a massive rescue operation that had to take place in order to free him. Yep. Um, yeah, kind of crazy. Like, so he is Mark is a well experienced cave diver. Yeah. Right. He's been doing this stuff for over 20 years. He's got 10 years of teaching. He did some stuff with, uh, I think, U.S. military. And the fact that he got stuck in there is of no fault of his own. He ended up having gastrointestinal bleeding mm -hmm. and they basically brought blood down to him, which took a significant amount of time. And then they basically stabilized him while he was, what, 3,700 feet? In the yeah. cave yeah and they got him stabilized with six units of blood um he could walk he could do all that stuff but it still took a lot of time for them to for him to recover and then for the him to get extracted yep and it, it worked out he was he was extracted it sounds like an incredible feat uh this is kind of off topic but did you see that there's these new documentaries about the thai boy cave rescue a new documentary because there was one that came out uh, what a year ago Okay, I think there's a new one on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. That one's that that whole situation is pretty enthralling. Um, <clears throat> so the it it just goes on to say that these types of rescue operations in these cave systems are very 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 rare. Uh, there was a, another one in 2014, uh, in Germany where a man was evacuated from a depth of 1,100 meters after an 11 day operation involving 728 people. So pretty yeah. uh, pretty interesting stuff. It really is. And the cool thing, job. like, do you know why, do you, did you notice why he was down there? No, no. He no. was actually, he was actually working to map more of the cave system. Oh, right. Yes. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. The cave systems there are awesome too, because it's yeah. sort of right at the pocket of, you know, where like we call the cradle of civilization. Yeah. And so they're, they find incredible archaeological evidence of ancient hominids and things like that there. So. Yeah. And uh, so I think he was actually stuck down there again, time relevant uh, for about yeah. seven days. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, next up, this one kind of um, hits a little close to Elliot and I. Uh, so so if you and were for not, anybody traveling to Morocco, yeah, if you were unaware, Morocco and its neighboring country Algeria are not on the best of terms. I actually don't know too much about the political history and why there there's such there's uh, actually a great conflict. little uh, there's a a great little summary at the end of the article about the conflict and why it is. The way Do you it have is. it open? Can you give us some of the bullet points? So it's here. The bullet points are what is the dispute about? Two countries have border disputes which date back to the French colonization. Okay. Yeah. So a long time ago. And then Morocco, Algeria actually had a war in 1963. Okay. Um, since then, there have been no real improvements in their relationship. And Algeria backs the Palisario Front which is the basically the separatist group that is fighting for Western Sahara's independence from Morocco. And mm-hmm. you remember talking to Eve about that whole situation. Um, so the the border through the Sahara is tightly guarded. The, the waters where Morocco and Algeria um, border each other are also tightly guarded. And that's where this happened, which is Sadia. Yeah, so essentially you have uh, French Moroccan dual nationals on vacation, jet skiing off the waters, and they just went too far from Morocco into Algeria, and uh, they were shot dead. So it says two tourists uh, were shot dead by the Algerian Coast, Coast Guard while reportedly uh, straying into Algerian waters on their jet skis. Yep. <clears throat> they were part of a group of four who had set off from the Moroccan resort of uh, Sadia. Uh, the, the third member was arrested by the Algerian Coast Guard, and the fourth, uh, I believe, made it back into Morocco. Yeah. So, obviously, Moroccan officials are angry about this. Um, it's incredibly sad. It seems senseless. Especially, I mean, to shoot people on jet skis. I can't see a situation where you yeah, think that they're any sort of significant threat to shoot them dead. Um. It you sounds know, like the Algerians not, did this act intentionally. Just speculation. Yeah, I can't, I, I, I struggle to see how, you know, if it was like a dinghy uh, with a group of men on it, uh, maybe a little more suspicious, but to, to, to see guys on jet skis just cruising around um, and then to act violently like that. Yeah. It seems like yeah. they need, they just look, we're looking for an excuse. Um. Yeah, pretty sad stuff. I don't think there's really much more to, to say. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's re- resolving itself anytime soon either. So if you are, it's I think it's just if you are traveling to Morocco, I think it's just something to consider. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the reason it hits close to for Bob and I is when we traveled to Morocco in 21, um, the, the tour group that we were, well, I guess you should say the guide we were with, Eve and Eva. Yeah. Eva. Yeah. Yeah. Eva. Um, we were in Merzouga, which at one point we were about nine miles from the Algerian border. We could actually see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next one back into the United States and this is uh, Airbnb. So New York city has imposed very strict regulations on how Airbnb can operate. Uh, there are people on both sides of this argument with what I think are valid reasons for their individual arguments but essentially the the two big bullet points here are that uh in order to operate an airbnb in new york you now have to live within the building 
for what you're renting out. So, and so if you have a high rise, or not a high rise, if you have a walk up, let's say you own a walk up, you have to live in one of the apartment units in order to rent out the other units. Um, in addition to that, the other major, major thing is that you, um, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, you can only have up to two adults stay within your unit. I mean, that's just, that's yes. kind of, that's, that's too yeah. far for me. Um, even well, you uh, honestly, I'm, I'm against this. You've I'm essentially eliminated <laughs> um, a very easy way for families to have like a comfortable home away. Yeah. I, I really, I understand that it's, it's, it's it can yeah, be really disruptive. It can be disruptive to people trying to live in the city. But I don't know if I'm convinced that this is the solution to making it more affordable. Um, the I I and and I don't I see it impacting their tourism. I mean, maybe they don't care, but I don't think they do. To have an afford, yeah, right. I mean, that's not their bread and butter, right? New York City is not a while well, tourism is a huge factor, I'm sure, but it's not their main course of income. Um, I just, it's a shame. I, I don't know. I, and now you, how many people is that kicking out of business overnight who own Airbnbs throughout the city? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could see something change. where like, you need to be a New York City resident to have a New York City Airbnb. Okay. I think that's fair. Uh, but to have to live in the building and then to limit it to only two people, that's kind of absurd. Um, Airbnb's fighting back. It's it's called Local Law 18. Uh, you obviously have to register. And there's so Airbnb is suing New York City, uh, but the case was dismissed by a judge who deemed the restrictions entirely rational. Um, so that'll yeah, end I mean, up for, going up to a higher court. Um, yeah. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. If it is going to set a precedent for the r r rest of the United States. Well, not just the rest of the United States, but the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, I, yeah, I, I think um, in some cities, Airbnb is already banned. And yeah. So uh, for example, let's see. The article lists that in Amsterdam, they put a limit at 30 nights per year for airbnbs like you can't rent out your place for more than 30 nights um, paris is 120 days mm -hmm. and berlin had actually banned all airbnbs and then walked that back as your state in 2018 yeah i don't know man i don't know i don't i really don't know what the solution is obviously i'm not too immersed in this war but uh it is going to yeah. hurt families from going to Manhattan. You know, getting a hotel in Manhattan is not cheap and it's not easy. And the convenience of having children and having a place, the kitchen, uh, multiple bathrooms, yeah. uh, a washer and dryer in the unit um, is amazing. I mean, that's kind of going back to my recent Scotland trip. We were washing clothes throughout our time there. Um, we packed less because of it, especially, you know, you're a family now packing for a family. But then being able to have the washer and dryer, you now can decrease the amount of clothes. Uh, it's just, it's just, this is really hurting the traveler. Um, 
And it, but again, I don't want to pretend I know everything about this, and I'm sure there are benefits to it. I'm sure it's helping people who live in Manhattan, and I don't want to minimize that. But um, I don't know. I'm not yeah. a huge fan of this. Uh, there are some numbers here. 40,000 okay. Airbnbs in New York. Okay. 40,000. Yeah, and I wonder what percentage uh, of those Airbnbs have someone who owns them living in them. Right, and what percentage aren't... <clears throat> oh, so that was based on um, inside Airbnb's data, which tracks listings on the platform. Uh-huh. And I'd be curious to see how many of them are actually registered with the city of New York. Further, mm-hmm. um, of those 22,000 were listed as short-term rentals, basically... 30 days or less. So that's actually less than I expected. I was expecting that number to be closer to 30. Okay. Like 75% would be short term. So that yeah. means that everything else, roughly 18,000 are for 30 days or more. Mm-hmm. Basically medium, temporary medium lodging. Term. Yeah, medium yeah. term rentals. Uh, nurses, right? Traveling nurses. Yeah. yeah. Students okay. even maybe. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, it, it is going to be interesting. I'm curious to see how this plays out again because of the repercussions it's going to have. Airbnb is doing phenomenally well. Though. The, 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 the profit margins for Airbnb, their stock continues to rise and they have, they're reporting massive earnings like year after year. So the company is still making it work um, as they battle through these regulations. So I don't think they're going away, uh, but this would obviously have a major impact so if do you think he's adopted this? Do you think that you remember discussing fair BNB? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you yeah. think that fair BNB is able to somehow skirt these regulations because they're more geared towards giving back to the community? Wait, can you remind me quickly, like what, what was the model of fair BNB? Uh, uh so the, I guess the main difference is that it gives 50% of its revenues to support local communities. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, it's I think it's pretty much the same as Airbnb. It's just they have less focus on profit. Right. And so why not do something like that? Like why not force the money to go back into the community? Um rather than eliminating the businesses of these people. Um I, I don't know, increase taxes on them to some degree, just force them to be residents of this city. Uh, how Forcing saying that you need to live in the Airbnb to operate it as an Airbnb. Well, that's sure that, that, that's a bed and breakfast. Yeah, that's killing so many of them. I I doubt most of them have someone living in them. Um, especially considering a lot of them are probably just apartments within a high within a uh either a high rise or a oh up. yeah Definitely. they're just single apartments and so you're not going to have someone living in the one bedroom apartment that you're renting. Um, so I don't know. Uh, let's move on. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right. So the second to last article is NASA is developing a supersonic jet with Boeing. We've talked about supersonic jets on the travel bites before. Um, whether or not they come to fruition is is yet to be seen. But I think it's telling that there are so many articles uh, by different companies, right? We've got Boom Supersonic, Blue Ridge Research and Consulting, Rolls-Royce. They're all working on this supersonic technology, um, even now with NASA. So then you've got other companies like Exosonic, GE Aerospace, Georgia Tech Aerospace. Uh, so it's really interesting, right? We had the Concorde, 
and the SR-70, well, the Concorde was a passenger jet that went supersonic. Um, and then we've got the SR-71 Blackbird, obviously, which is a military plane. But the fact that we have the technology and we're just trying to implement it and make it more affordable, efficient, and accessible. That's the goal, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I hope it comes to fruition. Um, and I think about, like, so for the supersonic stuff, I know... Uh, the missiles are a thing. <laughs> so I'm assuming it's only a matter of time before they were able to actually manipulate that technology to a commercial airliner. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest no, hold think hypersonic, right? Hypersonic, but hypersonic. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the biggest drawback to supersonic for the Concorde was its operating cost. And it had not necessarily te technological issues, but it did have malfunctions every once in a while that either prevented it from flying or ended up having like uh altered flight so it, it had to either come back to the airport or go somewhere else so it yeah it, compared to other subsonic aircraft it wasn't as uh what's the word i'm looking for reliable okay but if we can if we can tackle the supersonic aspect of it, right, the only place they'll be able to fly is over the ocean where they can go supersonic because mm -hmm. that sonic boom is incredibly loud. And so it's illegal to do that over populated areas. Right. So NASA has actually identified 50 possible transoceanic routes. And just to give you three examples, uh, you could do Tokyo to Seattle, which normally takes eight and a half hours in four hours and 30 minutes. Now, this is from a from Boom Supersonics numbers, but this is the possibility of a future for commercial flights. Yeah. Paris to Montreal, three hours and 45 minutes instead of seven hours and 15. Los Angeles to Sydney, eight and a half hours instead of 14 and a half hours that's crazy yeah yeah and what is this one was discussing a, a possible one and a half hour flight from new york to london one and a half hours yep from new york city to london under one and a half hours <clears throat> um it says compared to the current eight to nine hours it's not eight to nine hours it's like a little under six hours to get from new york to london i just flew it a week ago um it does take seven and a half hours to fly back from london but i just flew from ewr to uh uh hedro hedro heathrow heathrow yeah yeah and it was five hours and 45 minutes there uh but yeah to be able to do it in one and a half hours man i'll tell you my kids will be better behaved on the plane if that was the case i mean that takes it takes you longer to drive there yeah to drive to the airport right 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 yeah that's phenomenal. Yeah. Right. So I think the one of the biggest hurdles that they're going to have to tackle in order to do supersonic flights over land is to mitigate the sonic boom. Well, if they can we, do that. Yeah. Isn't there? I mean, I have no idea. Let me just say that uh, up front. But uh, you're not an have, aerospace engineer. <laughs> have a vessel go into the upper stratosphere, essentially like outer space, the the immediate you know outer space layer of the atmosphere okay. and then hit supersonic speed and come down um would that stop the sound elliot 
I'm not an aerospace yeah, engineer. Yeah, I have no idea. But doesn't that, like, in theory, I mean, there's my, still there's still dumb, air up uh, there. Ignorant brain, it, it makes sense. What? But there's still air up there. So if you go supersonic, you're still going to have a boom. It may just be less. Right. That's that's kind of my question. I mean, if you go beyond the stratosphere, and like, what is it called? Like, uh, where where Blue Origin, um, then Blue Origin, commercial like Bezos's rocket is going. Right. It's like the the initial. It's not quite outer space but it's not within the earth's atmosphere either it's that i don't know mesosphere? Outer stratosphere so mesosphere is it the mesosphere is the stratosphere the one closest to the crust no that's the, the troposphere game? okay so the troposphere is uh zero to six miles the stratosphere is six to like 15 miles okay so we currently fly in the stratosphere we currently fly in the stratosphere. The right. mesosphere is the one above the stratosphere. Okay. So, yeah. So, listen, if you're listening to this and you're an aerospace engineer, just design something, put it in the mesosphere, hit sonic booms. No one will notice. I guarantee it. Land, and then you're done. All right? Let's move on. Bob's figured it out. Yep. You uh, solved all your problems. So, so planets are not the only thing that they're ate up anymore. Yeah, the numbers change. So remember, we got rid of the ninth planet, Pluto. Well, now we're adding an eighth continent uh, to the mix. So Zealandia is the newest continent. Uh, it is essentially a giant landmass, mostly submerged in water, right where New Zealand is. I think New Zealand is the portion of it that is sticking out and maybe a few other smaller islands in the area. Yep. Uh, it's 2 million square miles, and uh, it's been entirely mapped by geologists. Um, yeah, which is which is pretty interesting. So the, the concept of New Zealand or Zealandia has been around for almost 400 years. The, the theories behind it based on plate tectonics and mm -hmm. how the Earth's masses move. Um, so we haven't been able to fully locate the boundaries of Zealandia until recently. Um, and they are still mapping the Northern two thirds of Zealandia. Like they've actually, they've gotten their geology, the processing of the rocks, all of that stuff, all those technical terms to figure out the boundary of it, right. Subsur or, um, below the surface of the water, but the size of it is interesting. So it's still smaller than Australia, which is the smallest continent. So 2 million square miles, to put it into perspective, is six times the size of Madagascar and about two and a half times the size of New Zealand. Or, mm -hmm. sorry, of Greenland. Mm. Okay. Well, there's another continent to hit now. Yep. Yeah, I thought we were pretty close to finishing that off. But well, in another it's... in another four hundred years, there might be a ninth. Maybe, maybe. But I don't think if that's how if that you works. are someone that's yeah, I don't think so either. But if you are someone that's counting your your continents, I guess pairing New Zealand and Australia up on the same trip is definitely doable, and that's how you would hit both of those. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's pretty much it for the travel bites today. Uh, up this month, we do plan on getting a scotland episode where i'll break down the itinerary for scotland's for those interested in going on a trip it could be pretty helpful um we're not with with two families with two families yeah 
I don't know if we're 100% sure it's going to come out this month. So bear with us if it's next month, but um, uh, we do plan on releasing that probably next. And so, uh, so stay tuned. Um, that's it for the show today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy listening to us speak and you like the podcast, you can support us in a financial way. There's a link in on our Instagram or in the show notes where you can give as little as a dollar to help us uh, drink a cup of coffee to keep us awake or, or go to the software programs we use to keep the podcast running. Um, the easiest non-financial way is to just share and like and comment on our social media posts. Um, but regardless of what you do, we do appreciate you listening. So stay healthy and tune in to the next episode. Thank you.